This is Educated and Empowered. Hi guys, it's Tennille M. Jackson and I am back again. I wanted to come on um, another time because I just recently did a show that is called The Power of Words and I did that podcast the other day and um, I was saying that when I got started with that, I really didn't know which way I was going to go with it because being a life coach and a literary coach um, that you could really take it in two ways, right? As, as a coach, you could do it literally from being a, a literary coach. I can tell you about, hey, how to actually use words. But then as a life coach, we could go from a spiritual standpoint and talk about being able to speak, you know, the power of your tongue. And so the previous podcast that I did it was also called The Power of Words, and I chose to go down the role of spirituality and talking about pretty much the power that lies in your tongue, the power of being able to speak positive or negative. Either one that you chose would manifest what it is that you spoke. So just being not just aware, but being careful of what it is that you speak. And so if you want to hear that podcast, then be sure to, you know, tune in again, my educated and empowered podcast, you can subscribe to on anchor.fm and you can listen to that. But then I said, you know what, I still do want to do it from a lit coach's perspective. So this podcast is going to be specifically for those that's in the literary community. So my writers, authors, and people always say, well, what's the difference between the two? Everyone who likes to write doesn't necessarily become published, right? And so when your work is published, that makes you an author. Whereas if you just like to write as a hobby or your passion, then that's why we put you under the writer category. But this topic the power of words and then a hashtag literary edition so that way you know where we're coming from but right before we jump into it let me do my due diligence and encourage you to follow me find and follow me across social media you can find me on wisdom facebook twitter instagram tiktok linkedin clubhouse and youtube all at my name is Tennille. My name is Tennille. And then if you are like, you know what, I would really like to pick your brain or I would love for you to customize a coaching plan just for me, then we can work that out too. All you have to do is go to my website, which is my name is Tennille.com. That's my name is T-O-N-E-A-L.com. And then also know that I am working on a lot of different things. I have a lot of different things in the works. Educated and Empowered is not just the name of my podcast, but that is the name of one of my businesses because that is what I do. I specialize in helping to educate 
and empower individuals to be their best selves via you know my coaching and speaking services and so under coaching you have the consultations the coaching program uh we have some books we're also working on videos and webinars so there are a variety of things even events and one of the events that i am going to be hosting on january 14th is called get in alignment with your assignment and so if you are the person that is declaring that 2023 is going to be the year of the best me then i encourage you guys to sign up for that conference it is going to be both in person in chicago 1625 west diversity as well as virtual so the virtual tickets are 25 dollars, so you can you can view it anywhere in the world as well as being there live and in person for only 40 dollars. and so um again if you want that information visit my website educated and empowered um you know what no visit my website my name is tenille.com i'm getting ahead of myself and that's only because i'm also working on the website that's for educated and empowered but the information for that is on my name is tenille.com so anyway guys we are going to jump right into it but again don't forget if you're not already subscribe to my uh educated and empowered podcast please do so go to anchor.fm it is only three dollars and 99 cents a month and if the information that you receive if you are educated by it empowered by it inspired you know you are really feeding into it it resonates with you then go ahead and show your support so that way whether you know it or not it does serve as an encouragement anchor.fm forward slash educated and empowered and you can subscribe so let's jump in i want to go ahead and get going today we are talking about the power of words to those who are tuned in uh live on wisdom thank you all so much and so just to give you the layout i'm going to just do a little bit of coaching at the beginning and then i'm going to yield the floor if there is anyone who has some questions okay so if you have questions please jot them down and then like i say probably after about the 25 minute mark or so 25 30 minutes then i am going to yield the floor so stay tuned if you are writing an aspiring author um, then make sure you have your questions down and even if it's not specifically as it pertains to this particular topic of the power of words but if you have a literary question in general then this is the podcast in which you can ask those questions and so um, who am I Tennille M. Jackson, who am I besides being a podcaster? I am a national and international award-winning author. I'm also an international award-winning filmmaker. But what resonates with you all uh, for this particular podcast, I have received local recognition. Again, I'm from Chicago. Uh, or one of our news um, channels out here, CBS Chicago, recognized me a minute ago. It was been about 10 years ago now, but that was like right when I first came out 
out when I first started on my literary journey. CBS Chicago recognized me as being one of five indie Chicago authors and publishers to watch out for. And so that is something that I really took to heart. I was honored by uh, Navy Pier. They honored me in the African American Heritage Month, uh, probably the same year, I think it was. But the point is, I've received local recognition, national recognition as being an author. I was National Black Book Festival's number three. I ranked number three as best new author back in 2011. And then um, I also have international acclaim as well, having won the Civil Medal in the reader's favorite international book contest. My latest book, Being a Black Man is Harder Than You Think. It was selected as a finalist for the Independent Author Network Book of the Year Awards. And so as I'm saying this, please understand the heart behind saying this. This has nothing to do with bragging or boasting of myself it is to give you all to know that I, de I didn't just start in this industry yesterday um, I am right at 20 books in and so this isn't something that I just do just because I don't have anything else to do this is something that I am trying to help you all using the experience and expertise that I have garnered being in this literary industry for a little over a decade now and so when we talk about the power of words I need for you as a writer to understand understand that words have power and when I say that that is coming from a different place than when I talked about it before from a spiritual standpoint from a spiritual standpoint we were looking at the spoken word right speaking various things here we're talking about the written word so when we talk about words have power one of the places that I want to start because also understand I'm not just a, uh, an author but I'm also an editor and a publisher as well and so I don't just deal with my own works I'm a former I had a brick and mortar bookstore for some years and so I have been around words a lot not just my own but those of others as well and so this is the experience that I'm bringing to this podcast when I'm sharing with you all the power of words about the power of words and so where I want to start the first place that I want to start for my writers is to understand the importance of using a thesaurus using a thesaurus let's start there when we talk about the power of words we're talking about the written word right and so understand that you want as a writer to be able to evoke emotion from your reader now it does not matter the genre okay so there are certain things and i'm a firm believer um i have done uh i've been keynote speakers and panel speakers over about the literary you know categories and topics within the literary community as well and so i'm just giving you guys and this is just free information that you're getting to tune in to hear and so i need you to understand the importance of what's being said as a writer it does not matter every genre is true has its own formula but regardless of whether it's fiction or non-fiction and any subcategory thereof words have power and so as a writer you want to become somewhat of a wordsmith right what do i mean by that learn synonyms and antonyms learn various ways of saying the same 
thing, okay? So what you do not want to do, and I get on a lot of my editing clients a lot because they speak, I'm sorry, they write the way they speak. And many writers make that mistake of writing the way that they speak. And so if you write, if I keep saying that, if you speak improperly, so if you speak slang, then many times people are not able to differentiate speaking it and writing it. Now, let me say this, depending on the genre that you're writing, yes, there is a place for Ebonics, if you are writing an urban novel or something along that line, if you're using dialogue, then that's an entirely different category. But what I'm talking about is when people are just writing regular, you know, whether it's a self-help book, a memoir, and people, writers a lot of times are not able to differentiate the way we speak from the way we write. And you need to know proper English, even though I understand with a lot of the shorthand now and dictionaries are being expanded every day. I do understand that, but you do still have to understand that there is something to be said about proper English, actually knowing uh, how to use words. And so these are different categories, right? So one tip is to use a thesaurus. I'm going to talk about that. The another tip is knowing about, you know, subject verb agreement, avoid and run on sentences, those things like that, and the power that it all plays. And we're going to talk in, about that. We're going to start delving into that right now. And so when I'm telling you to get a thesaurus, okay, I, I'm going to say about three, four, five times, get a thesaurus. Even if you say, well, I'm not going to carry a big thesaurus. See, back in the day, we didn't have, you know, uh, electronic devices that fit in your hand. We had to have a pocket thesaurus or even better, the huge, you know, dictionary that also double as a thesaurus. And so I'm not telling you have to have the old school stuff, but I promise you, you can go to your phone when you're trying to write something instead of using the word a lot, a lot. <laughs> Don't use a lot, a lot. Find another way to say a lot. Find another way to say just. So just, solely, only, simply. Find more than one way to say the same thing. The power of words. You are a writer. And there are some words that even if they're synonymous, some words may have, they may evoke a little bit more emotion. As an example, if I say the food was good, I could also say the food tasted delicious, right? So when you hear, oh, the food was good versus the food tasted delicious, the latter probably evokes a little bit more emotion because when you hear the word delicious, now you're like, oh, what was that? As opposed to good, which is just kind of generic language, right? So you want to make sure that when you're writing, and again, it does not matter the genre we're talking about, there is a way you want to really allow adjectives to become your friend. What is an adjective? An adjective is a word that describes a noun. What is a noun? A person, place, thing, or idea. So you don't want to always be generic. Now, I'm not saying that there is not a place for being generic. So in other words, when you first introduce something, you can say that it was good, but it shouldn't be good every time. There are so many synonyms for the word 
good. So really, you know, because a lot of times what this does is it challenges you, especially either if A, you are a new writer or B, if you are not a person with a strong vocabulary game, then what we want to do is we like to just stay in our comfort zones. But as a writer, you have to understand that it's not just about you. It's about your reader. So now you have to look at the text from the mind of a reader. Is this going to be something that's going to capture their attention? If I say a lot on every page right now, let me give you some real life examples. I've had clients now in general, and I'm going to try not to go too technical here, but in general, 250 pages, is, I'm sorry, 250 words is pretty much on average, 250 to 300 words is what you will fit on one page. First of all, one page should never have one paragraph, right? If I just told you 250 to 300 words per page, I have a lot of times where writers will put all of everything that they're saying in one paragraph. That is a huge no-no. But we're going to talk about formatting in a minute. Let me continue with what I was talking about with the need to have a thesaurus. If you are describing the same thing on one page, there should be at least three different ways. If you describe the same thing three times, there should be three different ways you describe that exact thing. You should not say, um, because when I, when I went to, when I went there, it was really good. And, um, cause we really is another word we use a lot. Really, 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 really. Or very, 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 very. Get some more adjectives and adverbs. Challenge yourself in that game. How can I, what's another way that I can describe it? And a lot of times as writers and authors, we get lazy because we don't want to go. I don't want to stop. And you don't have to stop your flow, right? So here's my point. When you're writing, Get it all out because that's the main thing because sometimes you get that brain freeze and then you just get stuck and you get writer's block and can't get unstuck. So I'm not telling you to distract yourself. What I'm saying is after you've gone through that first time and you've gotten everything out, when you go back to reread and I pray to God, especially for my authors, that before you publish something, I pray to the gods that you are not just writing it that one time and you never revisit it. I, I, we we going to just assume that nobody here does that. We're going to assume that everybody knows that there's a such thing as a first draft. It's called a first draft for a reason. We're going to pray everybody know that. Okay. So the point is that you get everything out the first time. So just get it all out. You, you just want to get it from your brain to the pages. Once you do that, now you want to come back and reread what you wrote, right? So whether you're old school like me and you physically have a notebook, pen and paper and you're writing, you know, or if you are more new school and you sit down to the computer and you just start typing as you go, whatever your method is, whatever, however you get it out, like once you've gotten it out, okay, so you got it out, it's on the computer. You hit save, and I'm praying that everybody knows to save because let me tell you something. I've had it happen one too many times where I said to myself, okay, well, once I finish typing out this chapter, then I'll hit save. 
and something just freaky happens and then the entire chapter is gone and this is the reason why I write everything down in the notebook because if you are typing and you don't have a backup and that bad fella deletes before you had a chance to save and this was straight off the dome then what is the likelihood that the exact same formula the exact same thoughts are you're going to remember it verbatim right so for me I prefer to go old school, have a pen and a paper. I write things down in my notebook. And then guess what? If I need to redo something, I can scratch it out, rewrite it. And so once I am comfortable with the completed manuscript from my notebook, then I will transfer it to a laptop. So in the event that somehow there's a power outage, somebody trips over the cord and unplugs it, somebody hit delete and they didn't mean to, that's okay because I still have a, a you know an original copy to work from but let's keep going y'all I'm sorry I get I get distracted sometimes so y'all just that's what I'm telling y'all at the beginning I told you I said write it down <laughs> write down any questions that you may have as I go because I may jump back and forth but with the thesaurus a lot of times you know you need to write it down get everything out of your head Come back to it, where whatever format you use, come back to it, reread it. See for yourself, how many times did I say really? How many times did I say very? And I'm talking about just on the one page, right? I'm not talking about collectively for that chapter or collectively for the book. I'm saying on that one page, go page by page and review your work. How many times did you use the same word? You... It, it, it would amaze you I'm sh because many times we are not aware of our shortcomings as it pertains to writing because we don't deal with them, right? And so me as an editor, what I do, I, I will highlight stuff in red. And even though my job is to fix it, I'll fix it, but I make sure that my clients know this was, this was a problem. You said this word seven times on page one. We don't want that. And why am I bringing it to their attention? Because this is not, you don't want to think that that's okay. We want to make sure that you are aware so that way you can improve, right? You have some writers that they, their intention, they ain't never trying to get better. They just say, hey, I'll just pay you whatever your fee is and you just make it work. That's what you do. But then you have some writers who are actually unaware and their desire is to become better as a writer. So you have to learn language you know and I know that that sounds crazy because being a writer you know you feel like hey that this is what I do but do understand that there's a difference between being a writer and being a storyteller and just because you may be a person who knows how to tell a story well right so when every when a family comes over you're the person that relays all of the stories that does not necessarily mean that you are a good writer and vice versa there are people who write very well but they are not able to tell the story spoken word and written word two totally different art forms but many times they get put under the exact same umbrella so i think you guys get where i'm going with the thesaurus i don't want to go too long thesaurus use one you need it once you write once you finish writing come back to your work reread it if you see that you have written the same word more than say twice on the same page 
get a thesaurus and it definitely shouldn't be in the same paragraph. Don't have really and really, because most paragraphs are only about five sentences, right? Should be about five sentences. And so if I see really on line one and then really on line two, we can fix that. We can make that better, all right? So get the thesaurus, make sure that when you're rereading what you've written, that you like circle it. So that way you can even see it for yourself. How many times am I using the same word? Let me go and find a thesaurus to describe that word, right? And again, you don't necessarily just have to look at, at synonyms. You can look at antonyms as well, because what does antonyms challenge you to do? Antonyms mean it's the opposite. So let's say if there are only, just as an example, let's say there are only three synonyms for the word good. We know that it's not, but for my example, let's say that there are only three synonyms for the word good. And, but I, I just want to keep on talking about how good it was 12 times. So now what I'm going to do is instead of uh, I've maxed out my synonyms. So now let me see what is the opposite of good, right? Because now what that challenges me to do is to reshape the sentence. So instead of saying, oh, it was really good. Now I can say it was a negative experience. You see what I'm trying to say? It's the exact same thing to say that it or it excuse me, to say that it was good and to say that I had a, a negative, uh, that it was, it was good. So it wasn't negative or something like that. You see what I'm saying? So what you want to do is find out what the antonym or the opposite of it is. So then it challenges you to rewrite it in the same, it's going to end up, the translation will be the same, but you're not sounding like a very monotone writer. And so anyway, guys, I just want for you to really be able to understand the importance of using the thesaurus. If you are just now tuning in, today we are talking about the power of words, and this is the literary edition. And so I want to just hit one more thing, and then um, we'll, we'll see if anyone has any questions. But I was talking to you guys about formatting issues, right? Again, on one page, you should not have one paragraph. And you might be saying, well, Tania, what difference do it make? Um, they can just read whatever. If we're talking about the power of words, understand that the way that your words are formatted also translates to the reader. Why and how? Because it shows them how to read it, right? So that if everything is in the same paragraph, I don't ever know when a new thought is beginning because the entire purpose of paragraphs is so that you can combine like thoughts and ideas. And so if you just have everything in one paragraph, I don't know where transitions are happening. I don't know when I'm supposed to be afraid. Like, so the purpose of formatting is another tool that helps to navigate the reader through that experience, right? So I won't even talk about dialogue right now using, you know, knowing how to use quotation marks and paragraphs and all of those things. But I will say this, if you don't know how to format, if you don't know how to interject dialogue, meaning that's something that you're using only if there are conversations between people, right? So if you don't know how to use dialogue, if you don't know how to format paragraphs, then you definitively 
need to incorporate an editor in your process. And so many times people don't like to hire editors because they just look at how costly they are to the process. And what I tell writers all the time is it will cost you more not to hire an editor than it will to hire an editor. Because if you are not a wordsmith, so you don't know how to use words, you don't know how to format, you don't know how to use dialogue, then you're going to lose your reader. If not on page one, you're going to lose them on page two. So a lot of times you have to understand now, especially being in the digital age, if your book makes it to being uploaded to an Amazon or something like that, most readers before they just buy it, most readers are going to click on that, you know, where you can look inside. There's a button that Amazon gives you to look inside. And if I'm seeing your format is jacked, I'm seeing that this is just all one paragraph. That is, that is labor. That's work. As most people, when they're reading, especially if it's leisurely, I'm doing this for pleasure. I don't want to have to work through your paragraphs because now I'm not going to enjoy the experience. And so again, we have to understand when we're talking about the power of words, we're talking about both the actual words that we use, because again, you don't want to use a uh, plain boring words, uh, non-descriptive words. You don't want to use good okay you want to use things more so if instead of saying okay it was mediocre instead of saying good you know it the food was good it was delicious you want to challenge yourself because that's going to bring your readers in that's going to pique their curiosity and then the final thing that i'll give you all it, whether you want to use it as words or whatever, words or format, because it can fall under both. Make sure that as a writer, if we're talking about the power of words and being effective, make sure that when you're writing, and again, I don't care what genre this is. So there are some uh, podcasts that I may do or videos that I may have where I'm specifically talking to nonfiction writers or self-help writers or because, again, there's a formula for every genre, right? But these tips that I'm giving you all, this goes across the board. It does not matter what your genre is. And so... This is a, the journalistic approach is probably one of the best approaches to writing um, because it ensures that you are going to be or it should ensure. <laughs> I don't know what your level of writing is, but technically speaking, it should ensure that you are thorough enough. If you if you do this right, it should ensure that you're going to be thorough enough to answer any questions the reader may have. So what do I mean when I say using a journalistic approach? Who, what, when, where, why, how? You should use the I don't care what it is that you're talking about. I don't care if it's a memoir. I don't care if it's a self-help book, a how-to, a sci-fi, even a poetry book. You can use the journalistic approach and you can answer. So who? Who is the book about or who is the chapter about? Who is the poem about? 
you should people your readers should be clear on the who and again depending on what you're writing there could be multiple who's right so in nonfiction or uh, I'm sorry in fiction we call those the characters the main characters in the book so who are your antagonists who are your protagonists like the readers should be clear on the who of the book even if it is your memoir if you start throwing in talking about all of these different family members because i see this a lot too people just start randomly talking about their family members and we we they your family members we don't know who they are so when you just start talking about uh because because joni told me that who is joni why do I care about Joni? So it is your job as the writer to explain Joni is my favorite aunt. This was my mother's sister. And then even give more background about her. I spend every summer with Joni. Like you really have to, it's your job to connect the reader with what you're writing. So that way they care about Joni just as much as you do. But if it just pop up, oh, and Joni died in 1984, uh, uh, Oh, oh, all right. But you have to do the work to get us to ex uh, understand. And then there's also something to be said about knowing how concise to be versus how extended to be. Right. Because sometimes, you know, it's not necessary to go on an entire chapter unless she's that important to your your work. You might not have to dedicate an entire chapter to telling us about Johnny, but we probably gonna need more than just a sentence. Right. So that's the who. Who is the book about? So if we're talking about fiction, who are the characters? Who are the main characters, the antagonists, protagonists? If we're talking about nonfiction, who, who are the people that you're writing about? If it's you, then we need to know about all the people. If you're introducing these people in your book, we need to know more than just their names. We need to know who they are and why they're important, right? So what? What is the point of the book? We call it synopsis. Some people just, you see the about the book. So beyond the just the little synopsis that's on the back of the book, that entire thought should be ringing through and through your book. What is the book about? So if this book is supposed to be telling your story, then everything in this book should be geared to telling your story. When you don't went off track and now you talking about when your mama went to high school in 1982, that's you you're not telling your story unless somehow her journey connects to your story then that shouldn't be in the book right because these things i'm telling you now these are also tools that i use to help some of my clients when they're trying to figure out how to outline when they're trying to figure out what should go in the book and what shouldn't go in the book you have to know what be clear on what you're talking about and not just for the entire for the book as a whole but every chapter should have its own book uh what what is this chapter about so if this chapter is supposed to be about your childhood then i shouldn't see nothing about you when you went to work in a promotion that you got at work if this chapter is about your childhood you have to learn how to be able to focus and carry out your ideas right because again this also ties into the power of words you have to be able to stay focused to be able to carry out one succinct idea in a particular you know whether again whether it's the chapter or some people write in sections so however it is that you write make sure that your ideas flow so who what when 
What's the time period for your piece, right? You need to make sure. And again, that may not relate to every piece because every genre doesn't necessarily take place in a particular time. But if you are writing a genre that takes place in a particular time, particular era, more than just saying it was 1952, you should be using the language of 1952. You should be using descriptives for 1952. So don't talk about, you know, because again, you have to know what was going on. And this is for fiction or for nonfiction. Like you have to know the, you need to do a little research. What was happening around 1952? Because I can tell you that this was before King died. So that means that segregation hadn't ended. So you got to be real careful if you got, uh, cause in today's world, everything is so diversified, but you have to understand that if you you writing something that's a 50s piece wasn't a lot of diversity not legally anyway so you gotta so this is the thing that i'm saying like when you're writing your the, the words that you're writing they have power and so you want to make sure that you're doing your due diligence as a writer to be able to um interact from a true and authentic perspective with your reader okay and so who will win where same thing where is it taking place? I, I use the example all the time. If you saying that it's in Chicago, don't you talk about no palm trees. We might got a lot of trees. We ain't got no palm trees here. So you want to make sure that when you are painting a picture, you're painting whatever your scenery is, that you are being descriptive. So like even when you say I went to the airport, you don't have to just say I went to the airport. What what did the airport look like? And especially for those people who are writing pieces to your town, then give it, you know, give it the give it the name unless it depends. Cause even with that, sometimes you do gotta be careful because you don't want to get into trouble because it depends on what you're saying that happened and especially if it's a non-fiction book as opposed to a fiction book so that's a whole different podcast for another day of like things that you have to be careful about when writing but just generically speaking when you're talking about a where describe it so instead of just say I was at the airport you can talk about what the airport looks like the long lines and waiting at the counters and you know so the and if you if you're writing about a place that you've never been again this is where your research comes into play and I don't care if you're fiction or non-fiction writer you have to understand again I keep saying over and over again Put yourself in your reader's shoes. Just because you may have never gone to an airport don't mean that the reader has never gone to an airport. And what you want is for when they're reading your words, be like, oh, show us. I bet that was Midway. Or I bet that was LAX. Or I bet that was JFK. You see what I'm saying? Like, because you don't know who's going to read your book and you want for them to identify with what you're writing and feeling as though they're it, wherever your where is, you want to describe it so that they feel that they are in your where, okay? So who will win where, why? Man, why is this chapter important? Why is this book important? That should be able to com be conveyed through your words. Why do I need to be reading this? Why did you take the time to write this? Any of those can be your why. And then the how with, right? Like, how are these things going to happen, right? So if you describe a problem in your situation, how does it get resolved? So unless... 
your book is supposed to be a sequel or a series, don't start a problem and conclude the book without having solved it. Because readers hate that. Because now you just feel, because think about you, whether it was a book or a movie, how many times have you watched something on TV and they bring up a problem, then the episode ends, there is no sequel, there is no next, and you just left wondering, what in the world happened? So unless that was the writer's intent, and many times it's not, unless that was the writer's intent, now you just mad. Because you'll never know. Like that old commercial, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop? So, so I ain't never gonna know. It this is this is all that I get, right? And people really connect to their stories, and so they might get mad for real. <laughs> Readers have been known to get mad for real, and they won't read nothing else that you write, right? And so, unless again, unless that was your intent, um, unless you're doing a sequel or a series, whatever problem you introduce. You want to make it your business to also introduce the how, as in how was the problem solved? How did it end? How was it concluded? How did it work out, right? So in either case, I'm hoping that that has helped you all um, in terms of, again, we've been talking about the power of words. So as writers or authors, um, anybody who, and again, this isn't necessary just that your stuff has to be published, but even if you just want to be the best version of yourself in writing, I'm hoping that these uh, words that I've shared have been able to help because at the end of the day, that's what words should do, right? Whether spoken or written, words should entertain, persuade, inform, you know, uh, educate. You, that's what your words should do. And so whatever your purpose, this is the reason why you need to know your why. Why are you writing whatever it is that you're writing? And so once you know if the point of your writing is to inform your readers about blah, 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 then at the end, did my words do that? If I was trying to persuade them to do this, this, and this, did I actually persuade them? So you want to always kind of stay close to what you've written. Don't have a problem with going back to read it. Never be afraid of making it better please incorporate an editor at some point within your process. So again, if you are not a wordsmith, if you are not good with formatting, if you're not good with grammar, um, if you're not good with developing your, your what you're trying to write, so you kind of have an idea, but you're not sure exactly how to develop it, work with an editor, work with a coach, get someone that is able to help you. Don't be so proud or so arrogant as to think that you can just do it on your own especially if you've never done it if when you're writing and you just you're flowing and you think you got it that's great but still before you hit the submit button for that thing to be published to the world make sure make sure that you give it to at least an editor to review it at the end. Even if you say, hey, I, I'm not looking for your ideas, so I don't want a developmental editor. I don't want you to further develop my story. I just really want for you to make sure that everything is grammatically intact. Because another thing that I say all the time, for the people who just look at what, like a Grammarly or a Microsoft Word, 
understand that they don't catch everything and so that's an entire different podcast for another day um but i just want you to understand that they don't catch everything and so it's always good to work with some human eyes because they might be able to even though you might think you don't want any further help or ideas they may be able to add value to your piece and so that's all that i have for today in terms of the power of words but again i say if you are not already doing so please follow me across social media you can find and follow me at my name is tenille whether it be wisdom facebook twitter instagram linkedin twitter clubhouse or youtube you can find me there at my name is tenille if after listening to this podcast you like ooh, you say you're a literary coach i do kind of need your help so can i schedule a consultation with you or can we sit down and you look at my book and work help me work things out then we can make that happen go to my website my name is t-o-n-e-a-l.com and that will be able to help you and as I always say if you're not already subscribed to my educated and empowered podcast on anchor.fm please feel free to do so and subscribe to that but I thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's talk on the power of words